Yep. We're back. <laughs> if you ever take that long to set up the show again, I'm never coming back ever. It was Don't call me back. Don't call me back if you're going to take 22 minutes plus to set up the show. It'll be over. Well, that no, that'll be it. Well, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was because I was sitting here for 22 minutes waiting. I know, but I just want to make sure that everything was good. But you weren't doing it. You were just clicking on buttons. But Well, you have to click buttons to make the computer work. Well, you were just looking at things. Pardon me? You're looking at the Wikipedia, the production notes. We don't have time for that. You just go in. All right. What are we going into? The Dawn of the Dead. Well, unfortunately, there's two versions. So which one are we going into today? The good one. The 2000 and whatever. For Zack Snyder version, yeah. Okay, I love that movie. So the Zack Snyder film, uh, I don't know. Who cares? Okay, so we're talking about <laughs> 1978, Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. sequel to the 1968 movie. That was our first episode on Night of the Living Dead. Okay, yeah. he dropped the living in this one and just went straight to the point, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, because people get it after they saw the first movie. They get the idea. So after Dawn of the De- or after Night of the Living Dead, sorry, George A. Romero, we're going to put respect on his name. He took a break. He didn't want to do zombie movies. He tried his hands at some other sorts of films like well, Martin and a couple of others, I forget. But they weren't reeling in the big bucks. But he didn't want to just be the zombie guy. Well, that's unfortunate because... Uh, <laughs> As it is in this year of our Lord 2020, he is Mr. Romero <laughs> is the zombie guy. Um, so <laughs> he was touring his. I think it was a it was a friend of his. They owned the this mall in Pittsburgh, I think. Yeah. And he was walking around it, and they showed him the upstairs, and he was like, "Man, this would be a good place to uh, hide out in a zombie apocalypse," and then started writing the film. Um. And, yeah, 10 years after the first one, and he wrote it in, I think it was three and a half weeks during a, a trip to, to Rome with his wife. And the uh, the director of Suspiria uh, gave, uh, brought him over to Rome because he was very interested in him making another movie. And then he was going to make the help with the Italian cut of the movie later on. But anyways, Dawn of the Dead... It's really about this ragtag team of misfits. Not really. What? Not really. <laughs> so this ragtag team of misfits. This isn't Jumanji, okay? This group of four little rascals. Okay, there's Fran, the woman. Okay, so there's one woman, three men. There's Fran, Peter. Peter's the black guy. Peter's He's, the black there's, guy. There's three white people, one black guy. Yeah, and one one of them's a woman. And one of them was a woman. Fran, Peter, uh, Stephen, and Roger. They 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 flee from their crumbling society in this news helicopter, and they find themselves seeking refuge in a in a mall. They're the only people in there. Other than them, there's just a whole lot of zombies, and the movie kind of goes from there. That is correct. And hijinks ensue. Yeah, they. Uh, and it, yeah, the movie is really just about how they survive physically and mentally. 
in this consumerist paradise. Yes. Now, I love the opening scene for this film. Yeah. Because, well, you start on the shot and it's like red carpet, but it kind of looks like gut, so it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Um, and that's sort of where the title card rolls. And then you're just sort of caught up in the frenzy because you're in this news station and these two pundits are talking about the zombie apocalypse and Mm -hmm. what to do about it. And they're arguing, they're yelling, and everyone's in a panic. And, you know, and it's fun. And it's interesting to see, like, kind of Fran try to, like, help in the chaos. And then Flyboy, as I I like to call him, Steven pulls her over and he's like, there's nothing we can do. We have to we have to save ourselves. Mm hmm. Otherwise, I mean, everyone here is going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. So they take off. But then also there's Peter and Roger who are SWAT members. They're taking down this apartment complex where they're storing the dead in the basement. And mm-hmm. they're all and they got a little zombie farm down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they decide to run as well. And I guess Peter knows Flyboy somehow. Uh no, Ro- Roger knows the uh, no Stephen. Roger knows Stephen. Yeah, pi- who pilots the news chopper? So yeah. then they all take off, and not the four of them. And as as Peter says, uh, we're thieves and and we're bad guys. That's exactly what we are. Yeah, and I face said, it, sucker. And I said, Amen. Yeah, these people are, abhor- are abhorrent. They're pieces of crap. Uh, the news scene at the beginning of the movie, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Uh, there's a little cameo from Romero that I think is so funny that you just see him and he's wearing this like little scarf. You know what? I'm done with director cameos, by the way. I'm fine with them as long as they're not self-indulgent. Like, like the Tarantino ones are indulgent. They are. Because he, he writes a part for him. Romero's just there just kind of working the board. I didn't even like an apocalypse now when you know what I don't like when it, Francis Ford Coppola is the uh the thing is I don't mind director's cameos when I just don't know it's them. I yeah. I mind it when people go, "Hey, did you know that it's uh Coppola in the beginning of Apocalypse Now?" <laughs> uh there he is and it's like who cares? Who cares? Or like uh do you like the uh, Peter Jackson cameos? No. Oh, really? No. Because I, especially in those, like I don't want to be. The immersion is over now. Mm. That I saw Peter Jackson in the movie. Just get out of here. Okay, what's one that you like? Uh, I don't know. None. <laughs> Did George Lucas show up and show up in Star Wars as a costume guy or something? No, but uh, his uh, daughter. I know was in it. Uh, that's all. That all. That's all that comes to mind. It's all embarrassing. In the prequels, it's crap. The prequels, yeah, uh, yeah, among other things. So yeah. Anyways, Romero's at the beginning, and what's also funny is that there's two. There's the news anchorman and the guest, I guess, scientist or some sort of speaker, and they're just having this debate on the news. And what's funny is that those two actors were actually friends. Mm-hmm. Outside of this, they've done theater together, and they practice the uh, the night before because they're like, oh, well, we might as well rehearse. And George Romero's style of of filming for this movie is so great because what he would do is he would really just capture a whole lot of shots and then kind of make it work in editing. He was really into 
He was really into editing. So he didn't have a specific vision for all the shots when he starts? No. Okay. And so these two guys came in. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we actually rehearsed our lines. He's like, you rehearsed it? He was like, that's awesome. Way to go. Because, <laughs> like, what some people don't know is that Fran, the lady who plays Fran, the guy who plays, uh, the guy who plays Roger and the guy who plays Steven, all three of those people were not actors. Uh, when they were doing the original casting, Romero's wife was at a restaurant where the man who, you might want to pull up their names, I don't, I don't want to keep calling them, well, I'll just say Steven and Roger were working. They were One was a waiter and the other was working in the kitchen. And she just said that she was in town for casting for a movie and they said, well, can can we can we try to get the part or whatever? And she's like, yeah, sure. And then they did. And I forget where Fran was working or how she came to be, but yeah, she wasn't an actor either. But the guy who plays uh, Peter knew the Ben, the actor who played Ben in Night of the Living Dead. And that's how he kind of got his, his shoe in. So a brother giving brother work. Is that how that works? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this movie is kind of, I, I really like how Romero shot it. He just kind of, it's kind of like a good version of Ed Wood. And I'm not saying the movie, I'm talking about the person where Ed Wood kind of just pulled nobodies off the street, but then Ed he w- didn't make it work. Ed w- and Romero <laughs> makes a work in this movie, which I like. That's true. Well, <laughs> with Ed Wood, it was just like, hey, you have money to give me? All right, you can be in the movie. I like to think that Romero had a little bit more care when yes. he was casting. Yeah. Also, I I can't speak to the historical accuracy of the Ed Wood movie. I'm sure a lot of it is accurate, but I don't know mm-hmm. how goofy this guy actually was. Although apparently he was very goofy. Yeah. So David M. G. played Stephen. Ken Foray played Peter. Scott. Uh, how do you say that? Scott Renninger. Renninger as Roger and Galen Ross as Fran. So yeah, they all the three. Three out of the four of them weren't actual actors. They hadn't acted in anything before that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, so they they say, okay, let's get out of here. And they fly away into this to small. Arguably, I think, I think my favorite performance in this is from Scott Renninger. Really? Roger. Trooper, Wha- although I never heard him called Trooper in the movie. Why? Uh, why is that? I think he has the best performance. Uh, I, I would maybe say Stephen does. Stephen Flyboy. Yeah, because he is a little flat at the beginning, but as he goes on, he's, I don't know, he, he, he does like the whole depressed shtick really well, and then <laughs> later on, he's pro, he plays probably the best zombie maybe in the undead trilogy or in the dead trilogy i said like out of all the extras even yeah are you watching all the extras for that too i yeah i mean i've seen this movie now i don't i don't know maybe five times i've seen it twice and yeah, i will i'll watch all the extras and whatnot and I, he because steven at the end i don't know if you remember but when he well this is getting to some i got we'll just jump around sure so no, we'll save it. We'll talk about it later. Talk but about what later? Steven as a zombie. Okay. Anyways, um, 
So yeah, you can take the floor. What did you like? What did you dislike? You know, okay, here's the thing with this movie, and uh, everyone said this, and you know, it's it's been repeated ad nauseum, but really, when you watch this movie, when you're done with the movie, you're like, this movie really isn't about zombies. Night of the Living Dead was about zombies, because uh, to a certain extent, that was like the novelty was like, ooh, people are eating people. Yeah. And I'm sure people in 1968 were like, this I gotta go to my church and I gotta cleanse myself after watching this movie. Oh my <laughs> god! Ah, but you know, as 1978, you know, America has gone through their crack epidemic already, so they they've seen shit already. Mm-hmm. So when they watch this movie, you know, zombies, whatever, you know, I've seen I've seen Magnum PI. I know what goes down in the hood. Yeah, I don't know if I said this on our Night of the Living Dead show or not, but I've. I I think that Night of the Living Dead is a zombie movie with with social commentary. Dawn of the Dead is a movie about social commentary with zombies. Yeah, that's fair. That that's a very apt way to describe, in my opinion, because this movie, uh, I mean, it has it's set in the same world, presumably. Yeah, it's zombies doing zombie stuff, and a big portion of the danger of the movie is zombies. Mm-hmm. But it really, George Romero uses those as ways to meditate really on various aspects, I guess, on the human condition mm-hmm. as it is in the 21st century or the 20th century, I suppose, in this case. Uh, like, he really, ex- he's really, I think George Romero is really fascinated by, like, I almost want to say human, like, existential. Mm-hmm. I, I, like, he's, like, very conscious of, like, how people feel about life in general and those kind yeah. of sentiments. Yeah. And that's done expertly in the film because almost every instant you're getting these people in these crises and, and a big portion of his reaction in the SWAT in the SWAT scene when one of the young guns has to put down a bunch of zombies and a bunch of people. He just kills himself after because yeah. he can't handle that kind of thing. He can't handle taking other people's lives so callously. Yeah. And it's it just in every instance, whenever there's zombies or even interpersonal between a few people, you're always getting... A, a really conscious look at what's going on inside people's heads. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean the movie starts off with the the news room that I and I really like because one fly boy comes in, he says to Fran like, "We gotta get out of here. We're gonna take the choppers and leave." There's a cameraman working the camera beside them, and he's like, "Go ahead. We'll be off the air in a few hours." The uh, the emergency broadcasts are taking over and he says our responsibility is finished and i've always really liked that line and it really stood out to me because in they're at a point now in society where the zombies are becoming stronger than the actual humans are becoming and people are just kind of doing their part just because they feel like it's their responsibility to do so mm-hmm and he's saying, like, our responsibility's finished now. I guess we just have to save ourselves. Save ourselves, yeah. yeah. And then it cuts to the SWAT team, and they are they're raiding this apartment because there's a gang in it, so they're still doing their responsibility. They're still trying to uphold the law. And there's this one... <laughs> It's probably Matt and I's favorite character. There's just one overtly <laughs> racist Mario-looking guy. This dude looks like Mario, like Nintendo Mario. Yeah, homo yeah. Nintendorus. Homo Nintendus. 
this dude looks like it looks like he was uh, he was backup for Bob Hoskins on the Mario Bros movie. He's got his backwards cat on, cap on, very Italian, I guess. Yeah, and he just really hates minorities. Yeah, um, and he says things that we can't repeat on the show, like at all. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like it's it's obviously dour. Okay, and the conclusion to his storyline is that he goes in and he just starts murdering innocent people, fueled yeah. solely for his hate for minorities. <laughs> And, I mean, that's a great example of just Romero's, uh, like, I guess that's commenting on racism in the police force and at large at this time in 1978. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that character dies because they kill him. And I th- and, and we talked about this. I think it's Peter who kills him. I think so. He's masked, but he's just this tall black guy. Black guy. Uh, it doesn't really sound like Peter though when he says "step away from me." But him. he has a mask on. He has like a I full know. gas mask on. I think it's Peter. I think Peter shoots the ca- Mario's name is Willie. I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he's going into this room, and they're like, "Don't go in there! Don't go in there!" And then Peter he opens the door. Peter shoots Willie. He goes down, and then in this room we see there's just a bunch of there's a couple of zombies in there. And the room is, like, smoky and stuff, so I'm assuming they've been in there just fermenting in this room. Um, so, yeah, they, the young guys that go in there and kill the zombies and then kill themselves. And then Peter, or sorry, Roger goes to the basement and Peter joins them too. And then there's just another great scene. There's this old black priest. He comes out, and I think he's, like, missing a leg or something, and he's just using a crutch to walk. And he comes out of this room again, all smoky, and he says something like, "I've I've given them their last rites. Now you can do with them as you wish." And he he says another great line. He says, uh, "You're stronger than them. You're stronger than them now. But soon, I think they're going to be stronger than you." And it's just such a, a creepy line how he delivers. It. And then they go in this room. It's full of just zombies in this like cage, eating bits and pieces of flesh. And then Peter and uh, Peter and Roger go in there, shoot them all, and and then they have they t- they take off. And it's interesting, like th- that line is interesting to me because really that shows to me Romero wants to focus on the so- sort of social power shift. Yeah. So you know, init- initially we have this established order with whatever, uh, and you know, tenants of whatever apartment complex housed by gangs will be evicted and pushed around. But then the idea that just a mob of essentially animals will come and upset this sort of established order. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the commentary of the film because I think the film does to an extent explore like, for lack of a better term, like the lower class mm-hmm. in the sense that <clears throat> it talks about it's very focused on consumerism yeah, and like the failings of that and like the the fact that most people will not derive any meaning from life out of that or Mm -hmm. any real pleasure from that that lasts at all yeah and i think and i think the fact that he set the movie in the mall was great yeah i think i well it's great for a few years number one the mall is a great setting because there's the mall is big and there's a lot of stuff in the mall Mm -hmm. so that provides a lot for the characters to work with uh also, because it's a familiar setting, everybody can see the mall and sort of get, you know, where they are. They're in the top part. They're in the food yeah. court, whatever. Yeah. But also because the mall is where you buy things. Yeah. And where you buy things, 
and you know they have zombies walking around the mall all the time uh, in the movie and well you can kind of take a guess at what that's supposed to allude to I suppose and there's and he, Romero includes so many still shots of just these zombies walking around mindlessly in the mall yeah and it's just so funny and as soon as they see them and they're like what are they like why are they so attracted to this place and then steven says something like oh, this is, was a very important place in their lives they still want to be what they used to yeah I, I love that uh one thing i'll mention is this movie was made on a budget of 1.5 million and that's not adjusted for inflation adjusted for inflation it was like five five point nine million dollars today and i can't really find an answer to this but i am curious as to how much of that budget went into just uh insurance for them filming in the mall because in this movie when they're in the mall they are riding around in motorcycles in it they're driving cars in it they're you know roughing things up they're putting fake blood everywhere uh there there were some rules i know like they couldn't just they couldn't just take everything off of a shelf of a store they were not allowed to do anything pretty much in the bank in the mall but i'm i'm curious as to what portion of this was just budget because a lot of the extras like for the extras they didn't even pay them the extras were just there on their own volition I can't believe that because, you know what, of all the movie, you think of extras and I mean, I know people who've been extras in movies and it's just like walk a, walk around on the set for two seconds yeah, and then we'll give you $200 or whatever. Yeah. And then the zombies in this are pretty extraordinary. The direction is great or apparently he didn't give them direction. No, he was just like, do whatever sort of little quirks you want, but whatever you choose, like make your own zombie, but you have to keep it the same through it the whole time you're on and like i and i'm looking at these zombies and i'm expecting like at least one of them to like you know give a wink to the camera or something and nothing like they all do very good job yeah uh so it's not criminal but it's almost crazy to me that they didn't get paid because this is one of the most the most prominent uh extra like cast performance that i've seen in a movie where i actually was like wow those are good extras. Yeah, and yeah, he just paid them on in with donuts and coffee. He's as because for the mall, they would go set up at like nine p.m. and they were filming until until seven a.m. So people that were coming in, like it was just word of mouth, and they're like, "Oh, can I be in the movie?" And he'll be like, "Yeah, sure." This was the state of America in nineteen seventy-eight that people would dance around and make up to get a free coffee and donuts. Okay, <laughs> we've. It took a long time to climb up that hill, <laughs> but we're here now, guys, so you don't have to worry anymore. And one thing that I have to mention quickly is that the guy behind the makeup in this movie, because I think the makeup and the effects are great in this, way, way, way better than they were in Night of the Living Dead. The makeup was done by Tom Savini, and he's probably one of my favorite practical effects man ever. Uh, I don't think Dawn of the Dead is his crowning achievement. I think that would be day of the dead where he really amps it up but i love dawn of the dead and yes you can look watch the movie and be like hmm, blood isn't that color uh, it's blood isn't that red or hmm. flesh doesn't look like that when you bite it 
And yeah, everyone can clap and pat you on the back at what a smart little boy you are for saying that. But <laughs> that's not really. And I don't think this movie is trying to make it look realistic. I think the effects no. and the characters are very comic book like. And that's what he was going for, too. The the thing with this movie is that, and I know, and I noted this to Luke the first time we watched it, I was like, the zombies, you know, in modern movies or television, like The Walking Dead, you s- expect these elaborate zombie uh, makeup effects. Where they're, like, falling apart. Where and they're, they're falling apart. They've got, like, their jaw unhinged and their tongues coming apart. You, you kind of get, like, a couple of those in Day of the Dead, I yeah. guess, when they get more money. Yeah. But in this, really, he puts, like, gray grayish-white face paint on everybody mm-hmm. and then just tells them to act weird. Yeah. And there's no, like, uh, missing arms or, like like, lower colons falling out <laughs> of their ass or whatever, you yeah. know? And and it's and it's and it's not charming but it just works because you can just suspend your disbelief in the sense that yeah people will just come back from the dead uh, and they'll look kind of white and that's how it'll be you don't need these over-the-top elaborate things to make zombies scary because zombies are scary as a concept not as an individual Mm -hmm. and that's kind of another theme of the movie is like the whole idea of the collective i guess in terms of the zombies and there is one, there's a few good examples of just zombies who obviously transformed at really awkward times because that would happen in real life. And we talked about that with Night of the Living Dead when there were just people walking around naked. I was going to say that there wasn't enough naked zombies in this movie. Everyone was wearing clothes in this one. Yeah, there is one guy. There's a fat guy in his bathing suit and there's one scene where like bounces against a glass oh, thing yeah. and then later on the movie falls in this pond but there's also like this one i think it's a woman she's bald except she has like one ponytail do you know the one i'm talking about and she's wearing glasses a zombie yeah no, and I she's in all so. yellow she's in this very unique costume and i i can't find it but it it it's really odd but, yeah, I think all the zombies look good in this movie and all the effects in this movie are great. Just try not to think of it as realistic. Just think of it as kind of comical. Well, the, yeah. And, well, it's, and it's interesting to me that George Romero said he wanted this to be done like a comic book because I guess it is kind of reminiscent of, like, old EC horror comics mm-hmm. in that sense. I'm sure somebody has done an adaptation of this, but... Maybe that's why I like this movie so much is because Maybe. it's a, it's just a comic book on the screen. No, but it's very I mean it's not, it's a comic book also in the sense that like uh it's very vivid like the sh- like the stuff that we're shown is sort of the thing that you would put on a panel yeah. in terms of a still that would convey a lot of information sort of deal as odd as that sounds. Yeah, no I I I definitely can see that. Yeah. And when they're flying so eventually you know they leave and they're about to take off in their helicopter and then they go to the uh, helicopter dock or whatever and the they go into the shack that's there and the people are dead and they're like okay let's get out of here and then they're stopped by these guys and they think that they're gonna rob them or whatever and they're like we're just taking off in the news helicopter just to do news nothing to see here and the guy's like well we're stealing a boat we're getting to an island and one of my another favorite line is they say what island and he goes any island yeah you know those guys were actually funny and they they i i think those are the most over comic relief 
yeah. in this movie because the last shot of the guy is like him doing like he's making a face like he's on mad tv or something <laughs> yeah. like it's that is that is like the those are like the big haha comedy as the aspect of the film is those guys that you see for a few seconds they're like 20 years old they're like really young like kids basically and and they say like do any of you guys have a cigarette and all four of them are like no we don't and then the guy takes off in his boat and he's like they didn't have a cigarette and it cuts back to fran roger steven and they just all take out their their cigarettes which was kind of uncool like you couldn't (laughs) bum one cigarette for this guy when people are dying like that could have been his last cigarette i think that was kind of a to be funny and B to show that they really are w- one for all, like they're very like me before you. Yeah, yeah. Me first. Yeah, I suppose. Well, the thing is, I don't actually think they're bad people. And I talked about this in the movies that uh, usually, you know, in a situation like that, you'd say these people are selfish. But really, I mean, they're sh- they almost they all, actually each character I think has a point where it shows that they're a good person. Yeah, and I think that's deliberate because it's to show that good people. You know, it, like you, just because you save yourself doesn't mean you're a bad person, right? Like Roger is doing a raid and he's telling people like not to go out to get shot. He's not shooting people on sight. He doesn't want to kill people. Mm-hmm. He just wants people to live. And Peter, Peter has saves a few of them on on many occasions and stuff like that. But the characters themselves, I mean, they're good. In the sense that. Night of the Living Dead, I like the characters, but they were all kind of one note. Yeah. Like, Ben was just the guy. Ben was just, like, the grumpy, strong-headed guy. And then there's, like, there's comatose lady that does nothing. Yeah. And then there's teenagers that just give each other kissy faces. Yeah. And it's fine because, I mean, it's a good movie, but it's just they're very archetypal. Mm -hmm. These characters are a bit more three-dimensional, and that helps because it lends depth to the story. Everybody has motivations and fears, and and it's especially uh, and that's especially why I like Roger so much is that they really he they really run the range of emotions on him. Mm -hmm. Like towards the end when he becomes sick, yeah, or, or even before that when he's like when they've barely evade the zombies and he goes like a little bit manic yeah and then of course he gets bitten and then he's scared and then he kind of accepts it they really show almost the five stages of grief for roger but uh i think that is why he's my favorite character or my favorite performance in this okay yeah oh wait shit wait one second that is fucking that's Rhodes from day of the dead we have the movie playing no right. We have the movie playing right now. Dawn of the Dead just on two times speed. And like I said, when they go to take off in the ship, the guy or in the airplane, sorry, the helicopter, the guy stopped them and asked for a cigarette. One of the guys is fuck is another character from Day of the Dead. That's him. I'm gonna have to fact check this. Go ahead. Anyways, um, and but when they do eventually take off in the helicopter, they fly over some rednecks again and i said this to matt i like to think that what they're flying over when they see all the the army and these rednecks shooting zombies i i like to think that that's night of the living dead that they're passing over yeah uh, you know i agree and it looks exactly i don't know if it's actually the same house yeah but it looks it looks very similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's interesting. You're right. He is <laughs> Rose. This is deep lore. K. 
okay? Romero doesn't fuck around. Okay? Yeah, that that's one of the only in the trilogy that would be the only returning character then. Yeah, I suppose so. And is that wait, which one is Rhodes here? Uh him. Damn, you're right. And you know what? That's good lore because it shows Rhodes at the start with just kind of a dumbass kid who's like, you know, has some hope. And then, well, when we talk about Day of the Dead <laughs> later, we'll talk about Rhodes. He's got a couple of screws loose, that guy's. <laughs> but yeah, I like to think that that's Night of the Living Dead. And when they pass over and, and then it just cuts to we get to see all of the army men hanging out, cracking beers, shooting zombies having a great time there's like banjo music playing in the background what i okay before sorry before we continue yeah what do you think the symbolism is in which rural rural america is like thriving and prospering was this meant to condemn them as like sort of just people contend with like uh, shooting their guns and drinking beer or was this like actually kind of a appraisal of them i'm genuinely know. curious what you think I, cause I guess it could, it could be condemning that they're just so happy that there's a conflict they can be a part of again. And the thing is that night of the living dead, then they just, just because they're so ready to shoot people, they kill a real guy, yeah. a non-zombie being. So I guess that would sort of fit into it, but I gotta, I'm not gonna lie. Those guys are having the time of their lives and I, I envy them. And those guys are just straight up the, uh, what is it called? The National Guard. The National Guard, yeah. The the lady, one of the people working on the movie, I forget, I forget what her role was. It wasn't casting, but she just went up to, you know, the the guard, and she was like, "Hey, can we film you guys for a movie?" And they're like, "Sure," because they were just doing something that day with like their tanks and their guns and their bombs, <laughs> and she said, hey, "Can I film you guys?" And they're like, "Yeah, sure." And their tanks. <laughs> And their guns and their bombs. Uh, but yeah, the the other thing is they land for fuel and Tom Savini's nephew and nieces play little baby zombies and run after PETA. Peter and then he shoots them. And he's Ken Forey said like he hated filming that. Run, running away from kids? No, shooting kids. Oh, he right. He was like, yeah, that was actually kind of difficult to film. Like he's like, I did not like that. I get. I mean, he was just firing blanks, and then there's blood yeah. squibs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you know what I, I, uh, I can understand that. And then we get to see kind of Fran's ineptitude in this, in this film because, um, Stephen gets attacked. He's knocked on the ground. He, classic horror movie. He can't reach his weapon to defend himself. And then Fran's just kind of standing there watching it, panicked. And then eventually he gets a hammer, smashes a zombie on its head. I'm assuming that's the first zombie he kills because he looks very sh- like shaken up by it afterwards. I know we're not talking about day to de- the Day of the Dead, but it's funny how the women in Romero's movies get progressively more active yeah. in the plot. And you have comatose lady and yeah. like disappointed mom in the first one. Then Fran, she does stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the next movie, there's the, Lori is or is her name Lori? I forgot her name. Me too. She's yeah. arguably the most uh, important person in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And that just kind of happened with the progression of horror movies. We because we got like Alien, and then we got Halloween. Yeah. 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 I guess you're right. Um. 
But anyways, yeah, then he kills the zombie with the hammer, kills another one, and there's a great scene where this zombie is walking towards a helicopter that's still running, and he stands up on a box, and then the top of his head gets sliced off by the helicopter, <laughs> and he just dies. But And then they get to the mall. Then they get to the mall, yeah. and the mall is so iconic. You've seen it in video games. Dead Rising is mm-hmm. all in the mall. And I, f- I feel like there's other movies that have done it. The mall is the classic zone. You guys remember the show 16? <laughs> the Who remembers 16? 16 would not be a thing without Romero. You guys, everyone remembers the episode of 16 where Jude eats bad hot dogs, has a bad dream where everybody's zombies. Oh, shit, yeah. And then, like, I think at one point he vomits in his girlfriend's mouth. <laughs> And and that's classic. And you know what? Now I'm realizing that's Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably we I'll rewatch that episode today to see what I missed. I'm sure there's Peter in the background or something. Probably. But the mall is the best setting. And you know what? The fun of the mall is okay. So they get in the mall and they have to do some stuff to House, do, housekeeping. They got to do housekeeping. They got to make this habitable. That's like that's fun. That's fun zombie thrill thriller stuff. The best part of this movie is after, I suppose, Roger dies. Yeah. And that's where we get, to me, what felt like the big, a big point of the movie, almost the central focus, was George Romero really wants to explore the ennui or the boredom or just the effect of last lacklusterness in mm-hmm. the average person's life. Yeah. Because what we get is that they've they've boarded off the staircase, they have all the food and supplies they need and they're just living it up. Yeah, and they kill all of the the zombies inside. Yeah, and they're sit and they're eating at the fancy restaurant mm-hmm. and they've got all the games and all the, the cards and all the clothes. Um, and they start off happy because, I mean, who wouldn't be happy to have access to everything in the mall? Mm-hmm. And then we just get scenes of them kind of sitting around. Yeah. And waiting. Yeah. For what? Exactly. Uh, and isn't that a, isn't that the story? <laughs> the question of the of everybody's lives is what's next? You know. Yeah. And it's great because one of my my favorite shot in the movie is when they're kind of just sitting in this like fully furnished house. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sitting like in the easy chairs and they just look miserable. And to when me, they're like playing, when they're gambling or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And that resonated the most with me because re- really here, George Romero is like, like this was so overtly not about zombies at that point <laughs> is when I really, realize was when I really realized, okay, this movie's not a zombie movie. Yeah. Like there's things here that George Romero wants to explore about society and and daily life yeah. that are interesting to see. So I love that part. That's my favorite part of the movie, just those five or so minutes when we just see them enjoying, quote-unquote, their safety and comfort. Yeah, they're gambling with money that has no real value, value. anymore. They're, you know, they're, Fran is trying on all this jewelry and doing her makeup all nice, but for, for what, really? Yeah, and it's I don't know. It was that was the most fascinating part for me. That resonated well with me because in particular I've been like it feels like as of late I've just been kinda thinking of things of those nature. Like 
what is life about? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to go to work every day and, and wage slave and come home yeah. and eat and sleep and do it again tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually thinking about that too recently. I, I, it started from just like a bank ad about, and then it was saying, "Oh, get our special savings account to plan for retirement." And it's just like people's main goal in life is just to retire. Like, that's it. You work 50 years and ah, I can finally watch Fox News all day. Oh, my God. Yeah, Tiger, you get that. You get that par. I made it. You get that birdie, Tiger. And then they're going to be living like Dawn of the Dead for the rest of their life. Yeah. And like it was just so effective for me. I don't know. Um and I really, I don't think I've seen a movie that's captured that as well as this does. And this film isn't really mostly in the sense. I mean, this isn't a film about, uh, you know, existentialism in the traditional sense because this is a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. I think something that would be comparable was like, I would say when I watched Brazil, I sort of got that same yeah. sense. But and Brazil is obviously more focused on the minutia of that sort of deal because mm-hmm. it's all about the office setting and stuff like that. But that is probably one of my favorite scenes or moments in, or I guess, an extended theme of any film I've seen. And I probably why I like this movie so much. Of course, everything else is excellent too, but that really stood out to me. And the transformation, going back to the transformation of Roger, it's, it's really great because they're going outside rigging up these trucks and they're going to block off the entrance of the mall with with the trucks and then he's like oh i forgot my backpack and you go get my backpack and he has this sort of manic episode and peter's like you got to chill out okay because it's not just your life you're messing with it's mine too so can you cool it and he's like yeah i'm cool i'm cool and then they go back and then he goes to get his backpack getting back in the truck or whatever and then he gets bit and then he's like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And the audience, oh, and by the way, that's the lady that I'm talking about. I was talking about earlier, which is a weird outfit. Oh, yeah. Anyways, um, but we as the audience, we know, like, uh, he's not fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then all they really do is, like, they're, they have to basically move him around in a wheelbarrow. Actually, I mean, do they know, I mean... Do the does the audience know he's not fine? Because Night of the Living Dead showed that when you get bitten or you get scratched, you turn to a zombie. But like that was ten years ago. Did was that a common theme of the time? Like how many other guess, zombie movies were there? Now we know, know because yeah. forty years later and the zombies j- all follow Romero's rules. Yeah, exactly. So I don't actually know, but I mean you do get the sense throughout the story like later on that he's getting worse and this isn't going to get better. Yeah. And they're basically just feeding him morphine for breakfast and dinner. Yeah. And he is just really weak. And then we get the scene where he's just laying in bed and he said, what does he say to Peter? He says something like, I don't want to, I don't want to come back as one of them. Yeah. And then he leaves the room or whatever and he comes back and then, uh, Roger pulls a blanket down from his face and then we see he's all wrinkly and gray. And we know that he's turned, and then Peter has to uh, has to kill him. And I think there's something profound in in all of Romero's movies when they say, "I don't want to come back as one of them." Yeah, it's just basically them saying, "Like I don't want to be a mindless animal." I guess. Yeah, and I think that, and I think there's like there's there's layers to that because obviously in the base part, I mean, you 
you listening at home probably don't want to become a zombie walking around eating guts either. But it's also the idea that you don't want to become one of them. And if yeah. you if you use the zombie as the stand-in for the consumer, mm-hmm. then you see it as you'd rather take oblivion or death than to go through the motions every day and endure that for you know whatever 50 plus years you have left in life yeah so i always think that's interesting they mentioned that in this and in day of the dead as well yeah Uh, i don't remember if it was night of the living bed but of course this is where it really starts to lean into the more political aspects of zombie filmmaking as george romero is such an expert of yeah i'm trying to think of uh, yeah you you hit it on the on the head there yeah and I, I think Fran also has another great arc in this story because she starts off as just kind of a clueless whatever, and then we learn that she's pregnant. And then Peter says, mm. like, I can abort it if you want. She's like, no, I'm going to keep it, which always seemed odd to me because, like, who would really want to raise a child in a world like this? You know what? Catholic guilt runs deep, bro. Let me tell you something, <laughs> all right? She probably went to church, and she's not aborting that. No chance. Honestly, though, uh, like, that unironically could be an aspect, like, of why she doesn't want to do it. Um, I also like to think it's because she's kind of clinging to, like, the sense Normality? Yeah. Yeah, that too. And, but, yeah, and then she, we find out she has a baby, but she doesn't want to just be babied. She said, like, I want to come out with you guys when you do stuff. I want to learn how to fly the helicopter. Give me a gun. Give me a gun. And she, and she starts to become a little a little stronger as a character later on, which I also really like. No, yeah, I agree. And Fran has a good arc. Yeah, Fran does have a good arc because she's developed as a character. Mm-hmm. And this is once again to show that the characters in this film are not, they're more dynamic, I'd say, if we have to, if we're doing a bit of a comparison with Nine of the Yeah, well, definitely, bit. we can do that in the sense that i mean what is ben's arc in in the first movie that he's just trying to survive and then he dies yeah that's his arc (laughs) there's that no nobody really progresses as a character i mean and i guess that's kind of the point of the story is that people are so set in their ways and that's kind of their downfall when they don't agree with each other Mm -hmm. but i'd really do like to see a nice group of dynamic characters who have a full range of of thoughts and beliefs and emotions and such and and are susceptible to influence from outside forces and such like that another comic book aspect of this movie too is the score it Mm. has a very like very it has silly music and it also has just nice classic eight or 70s hard synth ambient tracks yeah it's like the mall theme is kind of like the shirley temple it kind of yeah it 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 reminds me of like that song shirley temple song animal crackers for some reason Mm. yeah so i was like animal crackers in my soup and then you get like a pop word it's like those kind of silly sound effects for kids Mm -hmm. that's what the mall music reminds me of Mm mm-hmm and that's always and that's hilarious whenever we see that juxtaposed with whatever they're doing at the mall with all these gray monsters shambling about and stuff like that yeah um and yeah there is like some and then there's just classic movie that (coughs) exactly fits the mood of the film very well Mm -hmm. and that it's just very moody atmospheric and like you get some like shimmering synths and electronic stuff like that yeah and yeah 
when they get to the mall and they find the keys to the kingdom, as they as they call it, this huge, massive key ring, uh, they start turning on all the bells and whistles, starting all the escalators, and they turn on the music, and then it goes like da 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 da, and then there's a slide whistle sound effect while you see like a zombie going up the escalator. It's like and it's just it, like that's just so comical. It's hilarious to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this the the soundtrack's great. I want to talk just a bit more about the effects, just because I love them so much. There's so many headshots in this movie, and they do the effects nice on all of them. Uh, I looked up like the tricks, how how Savini did the headshots, which was pretty cool. Like they would just put a quarter on their head, cover that up with just fake skin or whatever, put put a little bit of invisible wire on it and then pull the quarter out and then you get this nice headshot mark oh, on, yeah. on their head and i didn't know this but savini was a photographer what what, what is a photographer called that like specifically f- takes photos of like war and stuff like a combat photographer yeah he was a combat photographer or photojournalist yeah a photojournalist for vietnam and he said that if his effects aren't good enough for him when he's seen the real stuff they're not good enough for anybody Oh, interesting. And I really like that. Uh. And I guess we'll... I'll just jump to it right now. So eventually at the end, after they've consumed and consumed and consumed and they're tired of it, there's a there's a street gang basically coming. They found the mall. And it's led by Tom Savini. And he, he does a good role in this. I don't mind it at all. And they come and they get them on the radio the 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 trio on the radio and they say like okay let us in and let us let us have some of this and then they don't reply and then the the uh they blow up the door or whatever and they come in with their bikes and that biker gang that we see like riding on their motorcycles those were just hell's angel guys actually they just asked, do you want to be in our movie? And they're like, yeah, sure. And George Romero was doing anything to make sure no professional actors were anywhere <laughs> near this movie. Goes to the McDonald's drive-thru and he's like, you want to be in a zombie movie? And the guy's like, okay. <laughs> they bust in. And I really like this part too because Steven gets pissed about it. And he's like, this is our stuff. We found it. And then he starts shooting at them. And they let in all the zombies with them too and whatnot. But I like that Steven is just so obsessed with, he's like, this is my stuff. That he's Steven? Wi- yeah. Okay. That he's willing to shoot the these bikers over it when they could have just waited in their secret little room that they have for themselves. Yeah. And they would have been fine. Well, because I see, and I see that as like Steven so dissatisfied with their inaction and their immobility that it's just like anything to get me out of this situation where I wake up, eat and then go to sleep sort of deal. I yeah, I don't I see it as him just like obsessed with these things that he owns and he's like they're mine. I found them. That too. Yeah. Um so anyways, they let all these zombies in and there's it, Steven makes it way worse when he shoots at the bikers and then the bikers are now trying to get them as well. And we get all these comical shots of this biker gang fighting the zombies. Like, there's one guy throwing pies in their face. Uh, there's one guy, and he's, you know, like those mall 
test stations to see what your blood pressure is. Yes. He puts his arm in that in the middle of this zombie outbreak, testing his blood pressure, and then zombies come and rip his arm out of like he rip <laughs> they rip his body from his arm and his arm stays in the, like the tester thing. It's so funny, but Stephen uh, gets caught in the elevator, and then he gets attacked by zombies, and then the door closes. And then it opens again, and then we see him fully transformed. And he does such a great job as as a zombie in this movie. I just love yeah. it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to find a clip of it here of him walking around because he walks on his ankle in a way that, like, I swear to God, he must have broke his goddamn ankle walking like this. Um, and just his acting as a zombie is so, so great. I'm gonna, sorry for the dead air here, but I just wanna, wanna try to find it. Look at, yeah, Lucas is just scrolling towards the end of the movie here. By the way, if you wanna watch this movie, uh, it's just on YouTube. Yeah, okay picture quality. It's like, you know, you can probably watch this on YouTube. We're on the extra long version. Yeah, because there is a director's cut there is the U.S. theatrical cut, and then there's the European cut that was pretty much done by the dude who made Suspiria. I forget his name. Um, it's kind of tricky if you want to find a physical copy of this because there are so many DVD versions out there. And I said, well, there's three main cuts, the U.S., the directors, and the European, but there are a ton of other cuts just because this was an unrated movie. Mm-hmm. And there was lo- th- different places would cut out different bits and pieces. So it's kind of difficult if you want to find a physical copy of this to find one that works. I would say get the U.S. theatrical cut or the uh, extended or the director's cut if you can. Uh, I heard the European one, they cut out a lot of the like sillier parts of the movie. Like, but like those jokers with the roads, those guys? No, like the pie in the faces oh. here and whatnot. They yeah. they cut out those. But I love all those because they just add to the comic aspect of the, of the book. There's a Blu-ray of this available, but it's kind of tricky to... F- you, you might have to pay a bit more for it than you'd like. But anyways... Um, we eagerly await the Criterion release of I, Dawn of the Dead. Please. Waiting. <laughs> We're still waiting. And they would get like a just a another Kino comic book artist. To we make get another cover. Sean Phillips cover. Yeah. Maybe call up Paul Pope, see what he's doing. Yeah. Give it to us. We're waiting. <laughs> the money's on the table. I, I'm ready when they are. G- give me more things to buy. <laughs> buy, 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 buy. I need to buy more things. Consume. I love buying more than anything in the world. Makes me feel like a man. Makes me feel like, yeah. I'm not a man unless I'm buying things. Amen. Um, yeah, there's one scene in this movie where this guy has this uh, silicon pad over his body to like look like his stomach, and then the zombies rip into it and expose all of his guts and stuff. Can we talk about how <clears throat> an emaciated human is somehow supposed to rip people apart with their bare hands? And like I said, we can, you know, cross our arms and we can smirk and we can say, hmm, that's not how it's that a, works. It's a little, it's like, you know what, I agree. It's a little much, like, 
like I'm sorry that I mentioned we're mentioning Day of Dead. We also just watched that. Yeah. But when they're ripping people apart, they just pull legs off a guy. Like I can't pull your legs off when I like right now. Well, no, but if you had a few more guys, maybe you could. No, I don't think so. I don't think I don't think three like guys who are who are so weak they can't even think can pull somebody's legs off, clean out their body. Well, I don't think that people could just come back to life and be fueled. Well, well you know what? We have to suspend our disbelief on that because that's the premise. Mm-hmm. Then we're not getting into the. Th- then just return your ticket because you're not. You know, you're leaving your. You're leaving your critical skills at the door then if you can't even uh, operate on this assumption here. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Is there anything in the movie that you aren't a fan of? Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah. Well, yesterday yeah. when I was re-watching a, little, a few clips of this. Mm-hmm. And I tried to focus on something that I really didn't like. There's really nothing. Yeah. There's one scene that I forgot to mention that I. Sorry if people are being a little loud, but you might hear Jared. Our hands are tied, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. There's one scene that I really like, and it, it's kind of similar to this scene in the Night of the Living Dead that I really liked when in Night of the Living Dead the zombies finally get their meal and there's that really intense music playing in the background and it just shows them eating. In Dawn of the Dead, there's a scene where they finally tune on to a TV and they see this eye patch scientist talking on the n- watch it <laughs> on the news <laughs> and he's saying that we have to kind of get rid of this idea that these are friends and family we have to kill them and we have to dispose of them and then he just goes on to start describing the zombies and it, it just cuts to zombies walking around shots of them walking around the mall and just living and he's just describing how they're kind of animalistic and whatnot and we can't consider them alive i I don't know why i like that so much but it's just i guess it's really creepy and his voice is really deep and i don't know i don't know maybe i can try finding the uh the clip and I'll I'll play it but you take the floor while I do that. I think we should talk about the ending of the movie. So Steven because Roger has passed, uh Steven has become a zombie. Mm-hmm. Uh in a in a sort of irony earlier Steven pointed out that they were just walking about cuz that's how they cuz in the mall cuz that's just what they did before. Yeah. Steven finds the stairwell because he knows where the stairwell is yes, and he breaks to get to the, their base. So they get overrun. And Peter and Fran have to leave. Fran has been taking some lessons flying the copter, yep. so she knows what to do. But Peter says, Fran, go ahead. I'm going to stay behind. He's kind of done. Mm-hmm. And he's waiting. And the zombies c- come closer to him. He's got the gun to his head, and he's waiting. And he says something to the effect of, like, fuck it. And yeah. then he just starts running. He's, he's pushing zombies out of the way, and he catches the copter just before it leaves, and they take off. Now, originally, apparently, the ending for that, as Luke told me, was they would both kill themselves. Yeah, Peter was going to shoot himself, and Fran was going to put her head into the chopper blades. And they made a bust of her head, and they used the bust of her head earlier on in the movie when they're doing a raid uh, at the apartment for this 
black man. And Willie the racist comes and blows his head off. Yeah, and what it really was was just Tom Savini with the shotgun shooting the the bust, and they filled it with, like, pretty much all the food they could find and, like, ketchup and stuff just at their extras, uh, at the extras payment booth yeah. of food. But anyways. No, and... Um, so yeah, they apparently originally they're supposed to kill themselves. They take off, and I like the ending of this better than this pr- other proposed ending because, I mean, this is a dour film, but to me, it's dour in the sense that it's sort of lamenting things about the human condition today mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it it's not George Romero saying everyone kill go kill themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of just I think the movie to me was George Romero's way of saying beware. Yeah, it was kind of a warning thing, and I like the idea that they fly off into more adventures or they persist because that's the human spirit and such. And I also like the idea that Peter's just not going to kill himself just because he's so bored, uh, and they were so bored. And I think part of the subtext of that is kind of the is kind of the primal idea that humans don't really live unless they're fighting, yeah, or flighting, yeah, so to speak. In the sense that that's why they were not happy in that domestic situation because ultimate comfort is not necessarily the way to go. Mm-hmm. That's that's I don't know if that's actually what he intended, but I always read into that sort of thing from like a baser human urge aspect. I don't know. I I, I like the ending because you can look at it in two ways. It's that they escape and that's why it's called dawn of the dead because there's some hope there yeah but i also like to think of the title dawn of the dead as the dead are starting to be a bit stronger than the humans are and it's their it's their dawn it's their time Uh, when hell is full the dead will walk the earth that's a great line there's something that I, I, i it's weird that i like that because i really dislike when characters just say quotes in movies that are very poetic that are very poetic and they'll be like oh my grandfather always said this one thing that specifically applies to right now the night is darkest before the dawn that's one of the reasons i one thing that i really dislike about the dark night is that they'll just say things you know what everyone in the dark night is a very educated yeah Yeah. but we're not talking we're not talking about that movie um called movie no maybe I don't know, but I have the clip pulled up earlier that I was talking about. I don't know if I'll play it in full, but let's just see how this goes here. Oh, it's at, it's at two times speed. That would not uh, be good. Let's put that back to normal. Scientists have come up with an actual way to solve the problem rather than feeding the opposition. doesn't make any sense. Well, I can think of one of the alternatives. Here, right. Let me skip ahead a bit. Sweet, you're probably sick. Problem, you see. And they won't run out of food while we're still alive. If they did, who cares what happens after we're all dead? If ever a decision needed to be made, it's now. Kind of things out. You know, the things that you're talking about here sound like. And this also plays over while. This also plays over while Peter, or Roger, is transforming. And now he's fully transformed. He's looking around the room. He's kind of like in a... And the actor who played uh, Roger said that in the scene here where he transformed, he wanted to kind of be in half and half. 
stage. So here, that's why he looks kind of confused looking around the room because he can feel himself sort of losing it. Mm-hmm. And then Peter just shoots him in the head. And then we get him just talking about zombies. There's no choice. It has to be that. It's that or the end. Sorry. Okay, never mind. That wasn't that wasn't the scene. My bad. Well, this, I suppose it's. Uh, I think it's maybe earlier in the film. When did they get to TV? Sorry, that isn't fun to listen to. Peter looks like he's in like a commercial with this look he has right now. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I can't find it, but it, it wherever it is, it, it it's very effective at just being creepy. If there's one thing to take away from this movie is we need to stop wasting taxpayer money on housing projects for the lower class. Yeah, you have a different interpretation <laughs> of the beginning because um, w- Willie says, shit, man, they got it better than I got. All these low life, eh, blah, 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 blah. He's like, why do we put these low life bastards in these nice hotels? You think that that's him referring to the projects. And I kind of just thought that th- they were just putting these people in this hotel as refuge from the zombies. I don't think so. the reason I don't think so is because a the, it doesn't look like a hotel. B there's already like furniture and stuff like that, so it's not like a refugee camp. And the other thing is like, why would Romero have this guy say that for no reason other than like he's racist? I think that line was supposed to mean was sort of like a jab at sort of the 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 pro- the the idea of housing projects and such like that mm. in lower income neighborhoods and stuff. And I mean, everybody in I presumably that was in a lower income neighborhood because there's gangs and everybody's a minority, and this is in America, so yeah, that's my interpretation. I don't know if that's actually correct. I'll have to ask. Uh, I don't know Tom Savini about that. I really hope that I get to meet him. Yeah, I would love to meet him. Tom Savini, come to Winnipeg Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. Come, you know it's back again, and uh, it's better than ever. It's not C four. Nope. R I P. Yeah. Well, who who cares? Yeah. Who does? <laughs> uh. You know, Peter, Peter, come by. I would like to. Yeah, I'd like to meet any of the cast. They're all kicking it, so they're all alive. Yeah, except for R.I.P. Romero. Hey, Godspeed. Godspeed. Uh, but yeah, any uh, one thing that I also forgot to mention: this movie had a budget of one point five million, made fifty five million. Big bucks. Big bucks for Mr. Romero. That's a lot of donuts to feed his extras with. Yeah, and I was gonna. I was saying, imagine how pissed the extras were when this movie makes so much money, and oh cool, I got a don't, I got a, I got a ch- chocolate glazed donut and a cold cup of coffee for my work on this groundbreaking film that will endure for <laughs> decades. I'd be suing Romero right now. You'd be uh, sued. They were working like, like I said from 9 p.m. till 7 a.m. And they're working the graveyard shift. These people were probably going to work, yeah. going to set, not sleeping, and they then would, going to work again. They would just sleep in between when they needed them or not. This guy is making wages out of these extras. 
and the the director of cinematography Romero would just be like yeah just make it look good like this movie is so like I don't want to say it's like guerrilla like guerrilla filmmaking but it it kind of is you to didn't me. give an F about anything like yeah, yeah you know <laughs> just act like a zombie yeah you want to be in my movie bro and like every every character every zombie is just so unique because of that I suppose and like uh, there's a scene where they get into their first store uh Peter and uh Roger that is and it's a two it's a two-floored store so what they do is they go to the bottom floor and they get all the zombies in the store to come down to the that that section and then they go back upstairs and escape but there's a scene where Peter just slides down the escalator uh, ramp and that was just something he was like hey Romero can I just slide down here and he's like sure you know what maybe this film might be the greatest evidence that we have that we should not make films by committee nope you put one man in front of the camera give him money and give and give and he when he has no direction on how to do anything you're gonna get a massive piece like this yeah how many bags are you giving it ten well, I thought he was going to be a bit more ceremonious than that. Today, my dear listeners, wherever you are in the world, I'm going to be giving this film the first ever wrong male given <laughs> <laughs> the first ever ten bags given by a man. I'm going to give show. the third, regardless <laughs> of gender, going to be given the third perfect score on the show the third the first third perfect score the third perfect score uh because caitlin robbed it from me and also you robbed it from me if you are like okay stop fiddling with the mic just <laughs> let me fiddle with the mic the show's almost over no it's getting annoying if I, you i okay go ahead if if you're a fan of horror watch this just if, watch the movie if you're a fan of good practical effects watch this uh, if you're someone who's like, I've watched Walking Dead and World War Z and I love zombies, watch this. and then Let's do an episode <laughs> on World War Z. The best part of World War Z, maybe one of my favorite movie moments ever, when he drinks the Pepsi. I love that. I genuinely love that moment. It's so unabashed. It's so unashamed. It's just hilarious. No, don't pull up David Lynch. <laughs> no, don't. I don't want to hear him say anything. He's like, product placement is the most George putrid. brought me to this restaurant, and they only had salad. <laughs> and at this point, I got a migraine. Anyways. This uh, is an anti-Lynch podcast. <laughs> we hate David Lynch on this show. We definitely watch this movie. And watch those friends, because they can be funny as fuck with friends. Uh, Matt, I it is depressing at times, but you think that there are... Well, maybe you're exaggerating, but you said that you think that there are no like happy moments in this movie. No, there's 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 happy moments in the movie. It's just the film is dour. I was gonna say I'll recommend this to everybody except those with clinical depression, uh, because I mean it has moments of levity, but like, <laughs> shit, some of the stuff hits kind of hits kind of deep. Yeah. So you know what? I recommend this to everybody. I'll give it five bags out of five. That's a great film and. Uh, the first this, you know what? This bags. is the first five bags. Out of five. I think Roger Ebert gave this movie four to four stars. 
You know what? The Eber four out of four though is not the five bags out of five. Yeah. The Eber four out of four ranges between like four and five bags. Mm-hmm. And he called it one. Of, I think I could be paraphrasing, but he said one of the best horror movies ever made. Yeah, that's on the cover of one of the DVDs. Yeah, but yeah. I think I think he gave the crown to Halloween. Probably I don't know. Next week, we'll talk about Eber giving Brazil like one and a half stars or something. I think it was two. Yeah, I'll give it that two bags that out of five. Not a good look. It was a good look. You know what? What I've learned with Ebert is that he's like, we can all cope. He's never really wrong. He no, he like, is. You ever look at a score he's done and you go like, "Wow, that's so low." Like, really think about it and you go like, "Yeah, you know what?" He's, no, that is coping. If you no, have to kind of twist your mind around it, it's not coping. It's just you're thinking in a new way. Like, what does an Eber like about this movie? And then you go, "Oh yeah, that movie wasn't that good." Pull up what Eber gave uh, Eraserhead. Nah, fuck it. That guy was fat as hell, and you know. Okay. What? Whoa, we do. You know what? Ebert was a man of healthy he, he had, weight. He had all those donuts going to his brain. He didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he was, he was eating what? that buttered you popcorn a few too many times per week. You know what? You can you can make good movies and you can have a little, you know, you can have a when, Dave single every once in a while. Yeah, once it? in a while. The issue is that he had it so much they were basically drip, dripping out of him. Look, also, George Lucas isn't a good filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> He got went to his neck. Next week we're gonna do an episode, uh, and the thesis statement will be: Is George Lucas a good director? That will be next week's episode. Uh, I say yes. George Lucas has it all. He has Oscars. Nope, no Oscars. No Oscars. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. Although, like, I w- then we looked at Star Wars, and I was like, the movie has Oscars. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess you don't. The way it works is that if, you, if you're if you the director, you get the best director. Although, if you're the producer of a movie, technically, when you win Best Picture, the producer gets the award. Mm. I think that's how it works. Uh, whatever, George. Like, does George need an Oscar? No. <laughs> For what? For his ego? Yeah, pretty much. He checked that shit at the door when in 1999 when he made The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Uh, yeah, watch Dawn of the Dead. It's a great movie. Don't wait for Halloween. Watch it today. Yeah. Today. And watch it again on Halloween. Yeah. Uh, and just one more th- I, It's kind of like... Like, Night of the Living Dead is a good movie, but they really just drained every last drop of kind of zombie lore that they could really get out of this movie, I feel. What do you mean? Like, they just kind of elevated the zombie higher. Yeah. And I think that's what you want from... I, I feel like the staple cliche... The st- this cliche for sequels is that you just have to make it bigger. And I don't think that this movie was necessarily bigger, but they just kind of elevated the material even higher. Okay. I don't necessarily disagree. Um, and that's what you find with good sequels like Empire Strikes Back or Terminator 2 or anything like that, Evil Dead 2, is they just kind of take what they got and they elevate it higher. Although I'm going to say Evil Dead 1 is better than 2, and also Star Wars 77 is better than Empire Strikes Back. Well, that's wrong, but that's okay. Well, it's not wrong. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, so next week is Who Killed Captain Alex? I'm going to try. Taiga Mafia! Those levels went high. I'm sorry, Those guys. Those went real high. Super Kung Fu! <laughs> Brucey you! Brucey you! Okay, one second. Uh, I'm going to try to get a copy of that in time. We're not going to get it in time. It's gonna. Th- he's, you're shipping it from Uganda and you're going to get it in time yeah. for uh, next week? Yeah. Wrong. We're gonna get a copy. We're gonna buy copies uh, because this is great. He'll. I'm pretty sure the director of this one will send it to you autographed. Yeah, right? I, I, that's what I heard. What the fuck? <laughs> you know what, guys? Don't want to tease anything. This might be another five bagger. <laughs> this movie. I, I I don't know about that. Please watch this movie. It's on YouTube. It's like it, which like, one? Captain Alex. Oh, okay. It's like an hour. Yeah. Like you can watch that, you can watch this really quick, and it's gonna go by fast. And you, watch it with friends; you'll have a good fucking time. Yeah, uh, that was Dawn of the Dead. First ten bags. Um, I love wrong. Second ten bags. Second first, first ten five. bags by male. No, we don't. <laughs> we're not. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. We're doing that. We're not. Uh, Caitlin, are we doing that? No. We're not doing that. Well, I did it. First five bags for today is the first five bags on the show. <laughs> Uh, That's it. I, I love pretty much every aspect of it. Wouldn't change a thing. Uh, I would change the. Mm, I would change. You know what I would change? Hmm. Uh, I give Peter. I give them better clothes. No, it was good enough. All right, that was it. No, uh, yeah. Let me finish. Okay. Yeah, you know, Peter and Roger in those police uniforms gets kind of old to look at, you know. They change out of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> they change out of it. Uh, You know what I would change? What? I would change the release year. And I would release it in, in 1980. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's just, it's just cooler when it's 1980 than 1978. Well, in 85, they got Day of the Dead. And 85 wasn't a good year. Oh, well, okay. Um, that was that next week, Who Killed Captain Alex? And I think the week after that we were doing, uh, what was the movie Caitlin suggested? Mommy Dearest. Mommy Dearest. And then we'll go from there. I'm really scared to watch Mommy Dearest because I don't know if Caitlin is trolling, trolling us. us. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if this is an elaborate game. She she has recommended a film that she has not seen. <laughs> So we are in for we could be watching anything. What was that? What well, are you going to be on the show? No, but I'm going to watch the movie. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. all right, that's it from us. Uh have a good one. Shout out to all our listeners. Shout out to uh uh you know, Caitlin. Shout out to Violet. <laughs>